here. I hope your 2016's been going good for you. It started off right for me. About a few seconds before the clock struck midnight, my wife leans over to uh, wake me up <coughs> and to um, <laughs> give me a big kiss. And she just held that kiss until a few seconds after midnight. And I think that was her way of saying, I want to end 2015 in the most exhilarating way I can. And I want to begin 2016 a beautiful way. At least that's what I got out of it. I don't know. I'm not sure if she, that translated to her. But I think most everybody in this room has some things about themselves they want to fix. They've got some things that they know can use some chiseling, some, some sanding, and some buffing out. And there's some things in our lives, too, that we say, you know, I've got things squared away. And um, it might just take a little polishing here and there. Um, there are some things in my life that I know I need to fix. But let me show you something that, that I know just can use some polishing, some things that I'm, that I'm proud of. Because I think in this room, you can be proud of some things that you, you don't have to resolute for the year. Like, I love it that my wife and I have decided to live a debt-free lifestyle, that we don't have to be concerned about paying off our debts, paying off things that, that really will tie us down to, to maybe a creditor, and that we can give like we want to give, do what we want to do for the most part, and uh, we get to live a debt-free lifestyle. I love that, that my wife and I have been able to do that. I pray that maybe that if you, that's a desire of your heart, you can follow along with it. But let me tell you something I do really bad. One of the things that I want to fix in my life is I want to put the remote control down more often and pick up a good book more regularly. When it comes to wasting time at home, I think I am sometimes God's greatest gift to it. And I know that about myself. I know I need chiseled out, and I need to be sanded down, and I need to be kind of smoothed out, man. There's some things I can binge watch and, and you know, try to take in all three seasons in one day. And that, that's, that's not how you're supposed to live life. I'm pretty sure that's not how you're supposed to live life. And I think for you, there's some things in your life that you say, you know, I, I got some things that are squared away, but I got some things I want to change too. And that, isn't that really at the heart of resolutions? Isn't it saying, if I'm going to declare to resolve something in my life, isn't that, aren't we saying, I need some fixing in this? And I, there's about 50% of us in this room, towards statistics, tell us that you've made a verbal resolution. You've told somebody else about it, want to lose weight, whatever it is. And uh, the majority of us though, have made some commitments in our heart that we want to do something different. And I don't know what God has laid on your heart or what you've come up with. I, I know what the top three are. Uh, number one is losing some weight. Uh, number two is getting things prioritized in life. And number three is to, to get out of debt and to save some money. Uh, but here's also what I know. According to uh, Franklin, um, uh, Franklin Covey, he did some statistics. He said, guess what? Anybody that makes a New Year's resolution, well, only 30% of you are going to keep it by, uh, by February. That means 70% of us are going to drop out. It's because we make too big of resolutions. Like the person who wants to lose weight this year will say, I want to lose 50 pounds. And, you know, they haven't been losing weight in the last years, they've been gaining it, and then, then they want to lose 50. He says, why not just work on five this year? That's good. Or the person that wants to save some money wants to save a ton of money, and they want to eliminate all of their debt. And so they work like crazy to do it, but then they find out, oh, this is not accomplishable. The budget doesn't match up. And so they, they, they give up. And he says that when we have unrealistic goals and un- unrealistic resolutions, when we want to fix too much, we give up on it. And then we just stay away, and we call it quits. Well, today, I want you to know that uh, God wants to help to see you your resolutions through because you're trying to remodel your life. They're probably good resolutions. But he still, first and foremost, wants you to make a resolution with him. And the resolution is that you make him the priority of your life, that he becomes the central thing in your life, the central being of your life. 
Let's look at Philippians chapter 3 together, and we'll really understand this. And maybe in all of us in this room, we can resolve to do some things in the name of the Lord and with, with the Holy Spirit encouraging us to do so. These come from the words of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is a man that had a radically changed life. He's in prison for his commitment to, to Christ. He's been wrongly accused, really. He is making a resolution in prison, which is just kind of crazy because you'd think if you're in prison, your life's over and you don't have much more to contribute to life. But he's saying, I can still make my life better. I can still do better things with my life. And he, he doesn't call it quits. And so if there's anybody out here that thinks you have nothing to offer, that you're, you're maybe retiring age, or you, you just don't have very much to give back to the God, let me, let me tell you something. It's never, it's never too late to do something positive in your life. It's never too late to make a positive change in your life. And that's what the Apostle Paul is going to teach us here. Philippians chapter 3, let's look at verse 13 together. He says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Now, I'm not sure what it is necessarily. Something that he's trying to obtain. I'm pretty sure it has nothing to do with losing weight in prison. I'm pretty sure it has nothing to do with that. I'm pretty sure it's not like watching less television. I'm, 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 I'm more on the side of that Paul is saying, what I haven't done really good in my life but want to do better is I want to live for Christ in a greater way. I want him to be central to my life. But I love what he has to say next because he does something right. He says, I don't do that well, but here's what I do really well. I forget, I forget what? One thing I do, I forget what is behind. He said, look, I don't care what 2015 brought to my life. It might have brought some pain and suffering. Look, for some of you, if 2015 were a person, you could sue it for pain, suffering, and loss of wages. It hasn't been good to you. And, and Paul's saying, forget the past because you can be tied down to it. And when you're tied to the past, guess what happens? You don't have much of a future. As a matter of fact, many people in this room, your past is dictating your future because you haven't unraveled the past. You haven't walked away. From, you haven't let God forgive you or, or you haven't been able to forgive somebody and, and you haven't been able to get through the past. Paul says, I do this really well. I forget what's behind, which is a good thing because he was a notorious sinner that when he gave his life to Christ did not have his act together. And he said, Lord, just change me and I'll walk with you and we'll, I'll just be changed as I walk with you. And that's a good thing that Paul forgot his past because he was a murderous man. He hated Christians and he hated Christ. He didn't want to remember that past. Let's get back into verse uh, 13, and he says, and straining towards what is ahead. Like, I love his language because if, whatever your goal is, may it's to prioritize, prioritize Christ in your life and put him central, it's going to be a strain. Paul's saying this is not going to be an easy endeavor. This is going to be really tough work uh, to strain forward, to, to, to accomplish your resolution, to, to put Christ at the center of your life. That's going to be tough. Paul's straining to do this. Verse 14, he says, I press on, though, I love it, the language of like, I'm going to keep pushing against the wind. Um, even though I've got weight on my shoulders, I'm going to keep moving forward toward the goal to win the prize, which God has called me heavenward. And I'm assuming that goal, whatever it is, that one thing that it is, is he wants God to be the center of his life. Now, I'm a goal setter. And if you see me around on the weekdays, you'll notice that I carry my cell phone, uh, my, my key for my car, and I've got a black moleskin notebook that I keep in my pocket or sometimes have in my hand, and it has the goals of my day. I sit down the night before, write down the goals of the day, write down goals that we want to accomplish for the church, goals that I want to accomplish in my life, and they're there before me continually. And I get to cross them off, mark them off, and my staff knows this. So the, the, I, I've left notebooks in their offices to say, Let's all do this together. Now, they probably love me for that, you know? Like, Matt, that's your thing. That ain't our thing. We're not, we don't want to do that. 
But one of my ideas is, if, if you don't have a goal, you're going to hit it every time. That's the truth. If you don't have goals, guess what? You're going to nail it every single time. So write some of these things down and pay attention to what God's doing in your life and say, I'm, I'm not smart enough to remember it. I'm going to write it down so I can hold to it. So let me sum up what Paul has said, kind of like this. Paul is saying whatever has happened yesterday and whatever didn't happen yesterday but should have happened yesterday, you serve a God of second chances. You serve a God of second chances. Like God says, I've given you a mulligan this year. Let's just start fresh. Let's start new. Let's do this again. Like you've missed the shot. God says, I've got the rebound. I'm going to dish it back out to you. Shoot again. Don't you love that? That's a God of second chances. Whatever, whatever happened yesterday, whatever didn't happen yesterday, but should have happened, you serve a God of second chances. We can get to it. Here's how God says it. Isaiah 43. He says like this. Forget the former things, like forget about 2015 and maybe the struggles that you had or the pain of your past and come to God. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing all things new. This is an opportunity. Right now, he's doing things that are new. He's not planning to do things that are new. You don't have to wait on God for him to do something new. Right now, he's doing something new. And he says, I'm doing new and, 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 and now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? This is God's way of saying, look, can't, can't you just see this in your environment around? Don't, don't you feel this, that something new is on the horizon? That you have an opportunity here before your God to remodel your life, to, to buff out the, the blemishes, to chisel away the imperfections and get this thing started right? Don't you perceive? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams and the wasteland. This is for the person that says, I've got nothing to offer God. My life is dead. My spiritual life is rotten. God says, I don't care. This is good. God says, you're a wasteland, but I bring refreshment to the wasteland. I'm, I can even make a way when there is no way. You, you might feel like you're in the wilderness spiritually, that you're just lost. God says, that's okay. I can bring water streams of living water i can bring my presence into your life even though you might feel that way god can do this today have you ever thought that 2016 could be the best year of your life or do you just think this is just another year that just has to pass and time has to tick away till the next year that this could be the very best year of your life so what is one thing in your life that if you changed would make a difference to you what is one thing that if you changed it would make a world of difference to your life or to your lifestyle? You know, I know that there are some in this room, you've resolved to do some things and maybe it's been a part of your resolution for years. Maybe it's some habits that you need to quit. Someone said jokingly, if you forgot to make a resolution this year, just write out everything you did last night and begin with the word stop. I love that. Like I drank last night too much. Stop drinking. I smoke. Stop smoking. I, I looked at pornography on the internet. Stop looking at pornography on the internet. That's the idea. I've got these habits in my life. I binge watch movies. Stop binge watching movies. I, I happen to think too highly, but stop thinking too highly of yourself. Now reverse that. Start. There's some good habits, aren't there? Some good habits. Like, I want to start reading the Bible more. That's a good habit. Well, guess, let's just, let's start. Start reading the Bible more. I, I, I don't pray enough. Well, we'll start praying more often. I've always, my wife and I have always talked about a small group. We just never got to start. Find a person in a blue shirt. Communicate with them that you want to be a part of a small group. Well, not just anybody in blue. Find someone with a name tag. Otherwise, they're going to say, what are you talking about? You know, but find somebody with a name tag who has a blue shirt on and, and ask them about small groups, and they'll help you out in that. 
But start, stop some things, start some things. For others, it's about relationships. You decided, I've got to get my relationship life in order, or we've got to repair some things. Uh, you've got to cut ties with some people that aren't living spiritually, and they're holding you back from coming to Christ in a greater way. Listen, uh, put it like this. It, it's, it's hard to soar like an eagle when you're flying with pigeons. And some of you have decided you want to soar like an eagle this year. And so you, you've said, I've got to walk, fly away from these pigeons and start soaring like Christ has called me to soar. Good for you, but you're going to need some, you're going to need some eagles around you. And this is the place to find those eagles, some people that care about you spiritually. They don't care about how fun you are, how much of a party animal you might be, or how you like to blow your money on them. They only care about you spiritually, the spiritual man or spiritual woman. You get around those people. And maybe for relationships, you thought God can't uh, God can't forgive, uh, or God can't God, I can't forgive this person. But you know what? What I found God can lead you to a place where you can forgive that person. You might think that there's not peace in a relationship that you can have, maybe even in your marriage or with your children. God can bring peace when you thought there was only war or chaos. God has the power to do these things for my friends, and this could be the year for you that if you prioritize your life right and put God at the center, these things begin to unfold unfold in your life that you can accomplish these resolutions maybe your resolution has been to get out of debt and to start saving more money guys this is the time of the year to get serious about it this is it i mean this church cares about this in a major way we encourage you to get involved into our financial peace class that starts on january the 20th it's on a wednesday night and join the many others that have gone through a class like this who have eliminated their debt gone into some financial freedom have been able now to give the way they want to give and live the way they want to live and save for their retirement save for their future and they don't have to worry about credit card debt and other things that have been plaguing their life and causing stress in their marriage so what are you waiting on this is the moment right This is the beginning of a new year for you and a new time. Resolve some things, but don't forget that it's just not going to magically happen. Prioritize Christ in the center of this. How about a healthy lifestyle? There's many that sit amongst us and said, this year I'm going to walk more, I'm going to jog more, I'm going to diet better. Okay, that's great, but what's going to happen February? What's going to happen today with your jogging, right? Uh Uh-oh, I guess I don't jog today. Lord, I pray for more snow, so I don't have to jog anymore, I guess. But some of you have resolved, too, to live to the diet that your doctor has told you how to live. For some of you, that's a big deal because you haven't been doing that, you haven't been feeling good, and now your resolution has been, I'm just going to live to the diet the doctor's told me to, to live by because that's best for me physically. Some of you in this room, you've been consulting with your doctor about some medication that you're on because you'd like to get rid of it. You're just taking a lot of medication, and, and, or maybe it's some antidepressants, and you're thinking, I'm going to give God a try on this. I've, I don't think I've ever given God a try with this, and I'm going to get some people around me to hold me up and to love on me, and, and, and I'm going to ask my doctor if this is a good thing for me, but, and then I'm going I'm to wean myself off of some of this prescription med stuff that may not be necessary for my quality of life for some of you you've looked at and you said i'm going to give god my dreams and you've always wanted to start a business up you just haven't had the courage to start the business risk reward there's there, everybody wants the reward of a business no one wants to take the risk of a business and to th- this year you're saying the risk i'm going to take it god's going to give me the courage I, i've got the courage of the lord and and even if it, if even if it fails I, I can look back at the end of my life and say i tried it Maybe it's learning some musical instrument that you've always want to learn or making some travel plans. Or maybe for you, you want to stop renting the house and start owning a house. And these are the dreams that you have. Good dreams. You have big dreams. I love that we have dreams in this room. I've got dreams for you. I've got dreams for my own life. But here's the thing. Those are great. But God wants to be the center of these things. That's how this stuff's going to work right. And we've got to reprioritize 
to put God right in the center. Paul says, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to yet have taken hold of it. I'm still trying to put God at the center of my life. But one thing I do, I do this well, I forget what's behind. I start straining towards what's ahead. I make God my priority. I press on towards the goal to win the prize. He wants to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So whatever that one thing is in your life, that one thing that maybe you do well or that you want to do well, let me tell you what the desire of this church is to help you achieve that resolution and to help you achieve the best resolution, that is to prioritize your life, prioritize your life with God at the center. I want to do everything I can to help you. I want to pray for you, encourage you, help lead you along, counsel you. The staff wants to do it. These elders want to do it. God, you've got a good plan for your life, but, but guess what? You ever thought maybe God has a greater plan for your life? While your plans are good, God may have a greater plan for it. And uh, success, you know, at any point in your life, uh, can't leave God out of it. I mean, genuine success has, a God, has God a part of it. We're not talking financial success here. We're not talking about success where you've won a medal. We're talking about success where you've ended life and God says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the success that we're after here as spiritual people. Because you know, we're not just physical beings, right? God's not going to come up in, 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 in heaven and say, boy, oh boy, I wish you would have really lost that 50 pounds in 2016. He's going to say, what did you do with me at the center of your life? Was I the center of your world? Not jogging, not weight loss. Was I the center of your, of your world? So, so one thing I could, would, would love to change about my life, put down the remote control, pick up the book more. What's one thing you'd want to change in your life? King David asked the question. What, what's one thing I'd change in my life? Here's, here's what he said. One thing I asked from the Lord, I want to lose weight, Lord. No. I want to put down the remote more. No. This one only do I seek. I just want to, do, I, I resolve today, Lord, that I may dwell in your house of the Lord all my days. I just want to take in worship. I want to know that God's in my life. I want to be around God. I want to attach myself to God plans, God things, and that's what I want to do. Not David things, God things, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and just seek him in his temple. I, I don't want to be a womanizer anymore. I think that's what David would say. I don't want to be a womanizer anymore. I, I want to have a good relationship with my kids. His relationship with his kids was terrible. He's, I, want to hang out with the, I want to hang out with God because if I get that right, my relationship with my kids will get right. If I get that right, I'll stop thinking about women, women lustfully and, and things will get back in order. Life will begin to get back into that, the right, right paradigm. This sermon, guys, is not about how you make yourself better. This is not how you get the quick fix. Like, um, if God can get in my life, then, then I can quit smoking. If God can get in my life, then I can stop, then I can remodel my life and do some better things. Like, I can start that business and I'll have great success. You, 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 you may not have success. You may not have great success. I'll tell you, you have the most incredible spiritual year of your life with God at the center of it, but you may not have great worldly success. And as a matter of fact, if you think that God will make you successful in all that you do, you're going to be probably let down, probably with the first let down. Like the, like the lady who prayed for her resolution. She said, Dear God, my prayer for 2016 is a fat bank account and a thin body. Please don't mix it up like you did last year. See, God is not in control of you. You are in control of you. But God adds to the self-control of you so that you can do some really incredible things for him and with him. Friends, this could be the most amazing spiritual year of your life that you've ever experienced. Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. This is 
a story of Jesus as he visits the house of a woman named Martha. A part of that household was a woman named Mary, who was a sister, and then a man named Lazarus, who um, was a brother, and Jesus comes to the household. He's an invited guest. More than likely, Jesus hasn't really known them very well yet. They haven't become best of friends. So Martha wants everything in her house to be perfect because, you know, when God shows up for dinner, don't you want things perfect? And Jesus and his disciples were on their way He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to to what he said, but I think Mary was probably supposed to be cleaning the bathrooms and making sure the bread was going to arrive at the table on time and make sure that the sugar was just the right amount and the sweet tea. I don't think she was supposed to be at his feet, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations. She's in the kitchen forgetting about God is in her house. And she came to him and asked, Okay, God, Lord, do, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Oh, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, You're worried and upset about many things, like the bread and the sweet tea and the bathrooms being just right, and to, but few things are needed. Or, indeed, only one. Mary's chosen what's better, Martha. Not that you didn't, not that you chose evil, Martha. You didn't choose evil, Martha. You chose something good. The house, you wanted the house to look good for me. That's, that's a good, hospitable host. That's good stuff. Martha, though, has chosen something better than that. I won't take that away from her. Could it be that you have good plans, but God has greater plans? One of the resolutions for my life is this, to make the most of this new year. I want to make the most of this new year. Like, I don't want to let opportunities slip by because I'm in the kitchen making preparations. I just want to be at the feet of Jesus this year. I want to be in his presence as much as possible. I don't want to miss out doing the work of a minister that I forget about the one whom I am ministering on behalf of. I don't want to miss it. You know, we live in the greatest country on the face of the earth. We have an amazing church that we get to go to, an awesome congregation, and we serve an awesome God. And there are all these opportunities around us, and yet sometimes we find ourselves overly committed to too many things that we forget about the great opportunities that we have spiritually in our life to do some amazing things spiritually. Don't miss out on what God wants to do in you. You got good plans? Good. God's got greater plans. Maybe attach yourself to his plans. In the New Testament book of Ephesians, here's the advice of the Apostle Paul. He says, be careful then. Like, be careful how you live because not as unwise, or, but as wise. Make wise decisions. Be good out there. Making the most of every opportunity. Every opportunity, every single opportunity is an opportunity to be in the presence of God and to put God first in your life because the days are evil. And we say, yeah, don't we know it? He's saying be conscious and be cautious because you're in a moment where you have the opportunity to enhance your life in a spiritual way. Here's what I'm asking of you. Here's what I, here's what I want of you this year. I want you to give me a year of your life. No big, no big whoop, right? A year of your life. Give me a year of your life in a spiritual sense. And you get involved. You get involved in, in the path in the growth path that this leadership has set up, here's the growth path, that you come to church on a regular basis on a Sunday morning, you worship corporately. Check mark, done. You, you're doing good. Get involved in a small group, some kind of 
Bible fellowship class on a Sunday morning or a small group fellowship where you can get some people around you and encourage you and talk about the scriptures and do some life together. You get involved in serving. Check mark on your card. Opportunities to serve. Yes. Tom Watson will get a hold of you. Someone will get a hold of you and say, you follow me and, and I'll lead you to a place that will be fit just right for your personality and the things that you have to offer and, and we'll find a good place of service for you. You get here for the Bible studies, the times of prayer that we'll be having this year. You just run the gamut. You run the playbook that we've set before you to grow spiritually. You do that for one year. I guarantee you, you'll have the best spiritual year of your life. And if you don't, you come to me at the end of the year and you say, I'm my, my spiritual year. It was terrible. I'm going to another church. I will go with you because I failed. And this leadership should go with you because we failed. And then we'll go fill at that church, I guess. I don't know what we'll do. But God has put an opportunity in front of you, right here, Bethany Christian Church, to grow spiritually and with other people that love the Lord. Get out of the kitchen. Get at the feet of Jesus. Here's the next thing that I want to resolute for my life, to remove the distractions that keep me from God. Here's what I discovered about my lifestyle. I get involved with so many good things that I miss out on the greater things that God has for my life. I can get involved in so many good things that I miss out on the greater things that God has for my life. Guys, Satan doesn't come and tempt us with evil, evil things. That's not the way Satan works unless you have evil, evil thoughts. He usually tempts us with good things that keep us from the greater thing that God has for us. Good things. You know, watching basketball can be a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But man, when some of you watch basketball, you let 20-year-olds control your emotional level. 20-year-olds, you're letting 20-year-olds control your emotions and you get so heated and fired up that your wife doesn't want anything to do with you all Saturday long because you have just yelled and screamed at the television if it's still working. Facebook's not a bad thing. Updating your status, getting reacquainted with other people, maybe even sharing the good news of Jesus Christ through it or how your lifestyle is being lived out. You're just, you're just honoring God with your lifestyle. But when it becomes a bad thing is when you post a status and, and you've got your whole self-worth on that status. You have your whole self-worth hanging out there and you're just hoping for 20 likes and maybe a comment or two. That's a bad thing. You see, we can get caught up in maybe good things, we can turn them into bad things. And last month, I started praying this prayer. The nature of my ministry here has really changed in about a year and a half. I, I don't feel like I get to be on an individual basis so much as the congregation has grown. Um, our, our, our staff members have been put into place where they're doing that. And I, I feel like there's a change going on in my life and the way I minister, and I'm not really being able to adapt to that very good. And I'm losing this contact that I once had for years and years, decades, plus of being able to watch people grow individually from this immaturity to this great matureness in Christ. And now I only see it in the bigger group. I don't get to see it in the, in the smaller group. It's just a change of ministry, and I'm, I'm dealing with it. Pray for me, honestly, to that, because my prayer has come for this, that, Lord, I want to be a part of your plans today. Because it used to be, God, would you be a part of my plan? I want to be a part of God's plan. God, wherever you're going, I'm going to get in the car with you, and I'm going to go to wherever the destination is, even that it has, it has nothing to do with my notebook that I wrote the night before. I'm going to go with you there because wherever you are, that's where I want to be. I don't want to be in the kitchen. I want to be with you at your feet. I don't want to be known as the guy that does good things. I want to be known as the guy that does greater things, God things, big things. So how am I going to do that? I think Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 gives me an idea. Let's strip off every weight that slows us down. 
especially the sin that so easily trips us up. So I got to get rid of sin and I got to get rid of some of the good things to make way for the greater things, I think. And let us run the endurance race that God has called or set before us. This is interesting. We, we just keep this up for a second. Because when Mary went to the home, she knew exactly what she needed to do. Be in the presence of Jesus. Take the opportunity. When Martha was at the home, she says, Jesus, I'm going to get everything ready for you. I'm going to do everything right. But I'm not going to be in your presence. I'm going to be in the kitchen. I think there's some people that want to get life right before they come to Jesus. You think you have to have it all right before you get there. You don't. As a matter of fact, this passage of Scripture tells us that we're running the race. We're already running with Christ. And so while we're running, we're removing things. We're pressing on. We're straining forward. You can come to Christ just as you are. And, and then we can just start stripping things off. See, the old runners who ran marathons, they would remove their outer coat. They would remove their satchel because it was weighing them down. They would remove their shirt. Then they would remove their pants. And, and did you know this? First Olympics, the marathon runners ran naked because it was just slowing them down. And don't bring, I hope they don't bring that back. That's not going to be a good look on national TV. Even in HD, it's going to be worse. But God has set this race that we're running before us, and the idea is we're running this race, and we're just saying, not needed, not needed, not needed. What's needed? Running the race, pressing on to win the goal which Christ has called us. That's what's needed. And, and everything else is secondary. And here's the last resolution that I want all of us in here to ratify together, and that is, that I prioritize the presence of Christ in all of my life. Now, you've probably seen this illustration, but it's just so good not to use. You cannot use this. This is our life. This is what we're given. Consider it time, whatever you want to consider it. But everything we want needs to fit in there. And we usually fill it up with all sorts of little things, little things that just don't amount to much. I mean, they have no real meaning to our life. This is like the runaround stuff, the, the errands that we run, and the second trip to Evansville because we got the wrong size shirt happened to me this week. Um, and we just keep on filling our... I got to watch Star Wars three times, you know, instead of twice. And, yep, that's me. And uh, maybe this is the PTO meeting. You want to be a part of that. That's cool because your kids are in school. You have some things that you want to accomplish in life like travel. And you've got some work things and some goals and dreams. This is the new home. Got to build the new home. Got to have the forever home, right? Some things. These aren't bad things. These are good things. Uh, this, is, this is just like, you know, spending time with a neighbor, helping some people out and doing all sorts of stuff. And you say, gosh, uh, I want family in there. You got to have family in there. Of course you do. Friendships, got to have some friendships, but you don't always have room for the friendships. And then you say, well, then there's God. I'll put God in there. Yeah, yeah, I'll make God a part of my life. Oh, whoa, it doesn't really fit. We've been playing this game. Here's the game we've been playing. God plus. That's what we've been playing. We, we all play it. God plus this, God plus that, God plus this. And so a little bit of God, we think, dashed in there, and that will make all the difference. But we've got it so wrong because that's not the way God works. God says, I want to be central to everything that I am, everything that I've created, everything that you are. In Ephesians, or as Philippians chapter 3, here's how the Apostle Paul puts it right before he uh, wrote what he wrote to us and we were, we were reading. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of of Christ. And Paul just says, I've got to start this stuff all over again. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For those sake, for whose sake, I have lost all things. Paul says, oh, I've lost all things. At one point, he calls himself that he's a drink offering, and he's completely poured everything out. He says, I consider them, here's a word, 
garbage. All that stuff, that little small stuff that in his, li in his life that was unimportant to his faith was garbage. Another translation calls it a dung heap, poop, that I gain Christ, that I gain Christ. So Paul, what he does is he says, I had this radical moment when I met Jesus, and Jesus became center to my life. He's changed my life, revolutionized my life, and I still have, I still have, I still have a placement for my friendships. This is what I've discovered, Paul says, and I'm straining towards this to keep God at the center of my life. I still have time for my family, although I don't know how much family Paul had. And then he says, look, within that, I still have moments where I can still put this fun stuff in here, my dream home, my forever home. I can still be on PTO, PTA. I don't know what they call it anymore. But here, I can do all these great things still with God. I can fill my life up with still some little things. Man, life is going to topple over. Jesus says, hey, Matt, come on. My life with you is pressed down, shaken together. I'll do great things. I'll just shake this down a little bit and I'll keep on. Oh, I still have room for all this other stuff and I can still do everything I want to do and it all fits in there. Isn't it amazing? How God has already taught us, seek first his kingdom. You put me right here in the center of the world and then all these things. What are these things, God? Your forever home. Your addiction to smoking will help you quit. All these other things. You want to get motivated and have some self-control. Okay, all these other things. But you seek me first. We can do it this year. This could be the best year of your life spiritually. Do you believe that? And it starts with putting Christ first. And if you haven't done that yet, I want you to meet with me right over here by this baptistry. If you came here today with pray with somebody, someone will be here by the cross, and we'll have people here by the back of these doors if you want to pray with somebody. But whatever it is God's laying on your heart to do, let's do it today. And let's use this moment as an opportunity to grow further in Christ. Will you stand with us as we sing?